If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Numbers chapter 8. If you need a Bible, they're located on tables right around, and you feel free to uh, go ahead and grab one. We have Bibles that you can use. Uh, if you need a Bible or you'd like a Bible, you can feel free to take one. Um, we obtain Bibles to give away, and you can certainly have one if you'd like it. I'd also like to make you aware of an interactive feature for our podcast listeners. Uh, we have a way that you can communicate and interact with us here at Bible Study. Uh, that way is through a website at www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. Uh, there's a button there you can toggle and leave us a message. It could be a question, comment, something good that you guys are doing. You might just want to say hi. Uh, whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know where you're from, and uh, we love hearing from people that are able to listen to the podcast. So let us know. We'd like to hear from you. Numbers chapter 8 and verse 16. Numbers eight sixteen. Somebody would like to read that. For they are holy. All right, thanks. Uh, what we're hearing from, hearing about here is are the Levites. Uh, they're the ones that uh, this passage is talking about. And if you read up a little bit uh, higher in that chapter and read down a little bit, you get a little better flavor of what's actually happening there. Happening there. Now, the Levites, uh, and the reason this is important, there are a couple things that are going on here. One is and probably the most important part of this is that the Levites were not taking this upon themselves. And that's really the main point that's being made here by God proclaiming this over them, is that they're not making the decisions like, well, we're going to be X, Y, or Z. This is God saying, I have designated them as this. I have called them, and I have honored them uh, in this way. Uh, they were called of God to do what God had called them to do. And they had been distinguished from the other people and the other tribes because of God's call and God's purpose over their lives. But they didn't do it themselves. That, that wasn't their doing. And so what God was saying here and what God was pointing out, and we'll see how this takes place a little more in depth through the verse that we're looking at. But what the, the main message here is that this is God's call. This is God's choice. This is God's purpose for them. And it's not something that they just made a decision to do to honor themselves. Uh, people do that a lot. Uh, they, they will decide they're going to do this or do that, or they're going to make themselves this or make themselves that, and bestow honor upon themselves. And uh, you see people doing that uh, quite a bit. All you have to do is, I don't know, watch any sporting event and watch the interviews afterwards. And you see that all the time. I mean, anybody that begins an interview by referring to themselves in the third person, okay, you might be rest assured <laughs> that perhaps they may be slightly self-promoting. Uh, and, and you'll see that in other areas. Uh, you see that with um, you see that with celebrities, you see that with um, just in, in almost every aspect of life. Uh, we've taken, uh, really self-promotion and self-honoring to a new level through social media. Uh, I mean, if you think about what social media is, it's to impress everybody. I mean, for some people. I'm not saying everybody, but pretty much, you know, impress people with what you're doing or what you've done and uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, but if you understand what I'm saying, you understand what I'm saying. That uh, we live in a culture that is self-promoting. We live in a culture that rewards people who are self-promoting and it wasn't always the case but it is now and so uh, when you're going to get a job I mean who's going to get the job the shy person or the person going to tell you all about how great they are right you understand what I'm saying and so uh, we've adapted ourselves to this and it's the way of the world it's the way things are uh, in in the case of the Levites that wasn't the way of the world and that wasn't the way things were uh, they didn't live like that. They, they weren't doing that. They were uh, going about their business. And we'll look at the origins of where they came from as far as, I'm not talking about like the tribe of Levi. We know they came from Levi, 
all right, one of the, one of the sons uh, and, of Israel. And we know that they came from there. But what, what we really want to look at is how, did, how were they distinguished? And, and for what reasons were they distinguished? And so uh, pretty much start with, I just want to start with the fact that they were called. And, and that set them apart. That distinguished them. Now, think about God's call on people's lives. And in the discussion in the New Testament of, of that, you, you go to 1 Corinthians 12, and you look at the discussion in 1 Corinthians 12 about the body of Christ and how certain people are called to a, we'll say, more honorable or visible ministry, and others are called to a less visible ministry. Do you, do you remember any of this discussion from 1 Corinthians 12? Uh, but the one can't say to the other that you're unnecessary uh, because, you know, just because you don't see something, just because you're, you're the, it's not obvious, I mean, uh, I don't know if you know anything about how your foot is, is balanced, but if you didn't have a big toe, I, I don't know if you, you know this, but if you didn't have a big toe, you'd have a hard time walking, All right? Because your big toe does things for your balance and does things for your gait and your walking that uh, you could pretty much would never even think about, right? But uh, if you didn't have one, it'd be different and difficult in order to walk. So you don't necessarily give honor to your big toe, right? We don't, we don't look at people's big toes in the world and say, oh, wow, that's a good-looking toe on that one. Not usually, anyway. I mean, there are certain people that have more of an inclination toward feet and toes, but not, you know, in any, you know, super healthy way. So I guess what I'm getting at that's no judgment at all either. Uh, all I'm saying is, is that what I'm getting at is that there's parts of the body that are necessary but are unseen. You think about your organs, your internal organs. You, I mean, look at the liver on her, you know, or him. I mean, we don't really say things like that because you can't see it. All right? Look, you know, or whatever it is. Look at the spleen on that guy, you know, really? No, you don't know what it's doing. It's, it's in there. It's inside. But it's important. In some way we don't know exactly how but it's important and so there's all of these things that and there's all these parts of the body that aren't necessarily seen but are important there's all these parts of the body that are are necessary but aren't don't receive a lot of glory and and that's the discussion in 1st Corinthians 12 is that we, we can't really look at things in God's purpose and in God's economy and say well that's more important than the other because I don't know that that's true. Uh, you can't live without your liver. I mean, the liver's not even an attractive part of us. All right, if you know what a liver looks like, it's just not that attractive. Uh, and I know we draw like hearts like this, but that's not really what your heart looks like, but you're not really gonna live without your heart. Uh, there, then there's other parts of us that are on the inside that we, we don't really hardly necessarily think about, and yet, they play an important role in our lives. And if something goes wrong with one of them, like anybody here ever have gallbladder problems? Okay. That's not a pleasant experience to have gall, gallbladder problems. It's not. And, and if you ever had gallbladder bladder problems, I mean, before you had gallbladder problems, did you really ever think about your gallbladder very much? Nah. Why would you? I mean, we don't sit around thinking, oh, how's your gallbladder today? How you doing? Yeah. Although it's, it's, it's in there, right? And, and, you know, you take it for granted or whatever. But as soon as there's a problem, well, you're very keenly aware that it's there. You know. And, and there's other parts of us like that. So all I'm trying to say is, is that in this discussion, and I wanted to bring this out right from the very beginning, the Levites were called and distinguished from the rest of Israel as this is their function. As Christians were called and were distinguished from the other parts of the body because this is our function. And I don't want you to confuse God's call and God's 
taking us and distinguishing us from other parts and other ministries and other things as being, well, he's promoting us to something. That's not really the point. Because, again, you're not going to live without the heart, but the heart is unseen. You're not going to live without the liver, but the liver is unseen. The big toe is an important part of our locomotion, but we're not really going to notice that unless there's something wrong with it. And so I just wanted to emphasize those things. I wanted to emphasize those ideas because, to me, it speaks to who we are as, as a body of believers. And we need the right attitude toward that. I think sometimes we look to in the world's standards when it comes to who we are in the body of Christ, and we, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We need to look to... Uh, well, God's function. We need to look to God's economy. We need to look to what the Holy Spirit has for us, has for me, has for you, and to find ourselves in the midst of that. That's more important. So uh, the Levites were given to God. And I want you to think about this for a second before you answer it. In fact, don't answer it. Just think about it. The Levites were given to God by whom? I just want you to think about that for a second. Yeah. They were given to God by God? Yes. But who were they given to him by? This is this kind of an interesting question. That's why I had you pause for a second. This is kind of an interesting question because he, he didn't give them to himself. He, he called them. And then the people all got together, and if you read up in the chapter, it'd, it'd be a little more obvious. The people all got together, and the, all, all the tribal leaders got together, and they all blessed them and gave them to God. So who gave them to God? The people did. The other tribal leaders did. The, the, the congregation gave them to God, which is kind of an interesting concept because, I mean, God doesn't really need that. But in a bigger sense and in a bigger understanding of it, it was important that that would happen because who were they going to serve? They were going to serve two sides of this. All right, There's two, two sides of a coin. They're going to serve God and they're going to serve the people. All right, And so God called them and the people gave them. And so there was a mutual understanding and agreement as to the call, the purpose, and the distinguishing of the Levites as they were brought forth. I hope this kind of makes sense to you. Now, why that's important is because of their function, is because of who they would serve. Why that's important is because the people had a say, and the people had a part, and the people had a place in the giving of the Levites to the service that they were called to and the call that they answered. Uh, that, that's kind of what happens with us when we send people places, is that we're giving that, that person, all right? And, and that's a part of who we are as a church. And I'm talking about just us here, who we are as a church. As a sending church, it's important for us to give people. That as they're answering the call, as they're answering the purpose of God over their life, as they are, are following after what God has for them, that, that we are willing to put our hands on them and to speak words over them and to send them with blessing to whatever it is they're going to do. That there's an agreement that's being made. It's like, you know, you, you look around and I don't know, just honestly, sometimes I'll look around on a Sunday morning. I'm like, man, I could use those extra six people. All right. <laughs> All right, because these are probably so you know these are you know leadership. These are people that you know are here. They're doing what they do, or whoever you know, however many are gone. You know, I, I could use those extra people. They're all on the correct video team. Yeah, <laughs> or, or yeah, and they're all people that have been trained up, and they're all people that know the philosophy of ministry, and they're all people that are good at talking to other people, and they're all people that are pretty good at gathering people. All right. And, but we may, we may are making an agreement. We're coming into agreement with God to say, hey, we're going to send them. We, we give them for the work that you've called them to. And we're in agreement with that. 
Uh, we want to bless him in that. I want to encourage him in that. Yeah. I mean, that definitely doesn't work well for like the church growth model. All right, we're, we're, not, we're not doing it. We're not getting that part of it. All right, we're getting rid of people in a good way, in the way that we're supposed to get rid of people. And so I, I just want to say that, that this is all, you know, something that, you know, when the, the church at Antioch, when it was time for Paul to leave, I mean, they laid hands on him and, and they prophesied over him and they left. Because that's what you do. You send, and they go, and it's part of God's plan and God's purpose. And so the, the Levites were, were given to God by the people's consent. The, the word there in the Hebrew is given, given. It's two words together. And what does that mean when things are repeated in the Bible, especially the Old Testament? Anybody? Exclamation point, right? Emphasis, they were given exclamation point they were given given they were offered they were dedicated it means they were completely given and then the other side of that is God took them as Rebecca said God took them by choice and command as his own as his own so that's the other side of it, is God took them by choice and command as his own. Somebody want to look at Numbers 3.9 as an example of that? Numbers 3.9. Give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are the Israelites who are to be given wholly to him. All right. So, so you see... The, that God made this decision. But as part of the way that it would come to pass, I mean, that was five chapters before this, right? But the way that it would come to pass is that the people would have a part in giving the Levites to him. And so it was his command, it was his take and his choice, and he took them as his own. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to understand it in the appropriate order. So, God's own. God's own. So, let's start with that. God's choice, God's command, God's call. So, they're his own. Now, all whom God owns. Okay, that's the first part of it. Second part of it. He employs. Okay, do you understand why that order is important? All whom God owns, he employs. Which comes first? Hmm? The ownership. What's that? The chicken. Correct. Because the animals were created first before their reproductive process was initiated right the chicken came first but back to what we're talking about um, yes so what comes first is that we're gods that's what comes first and then once we're gods then he puts us to work now how did that get backwards what would make somebody turn that around Well, more than that, it, that's part of it. But more than that is the idea, and I want you to hear this too, is that God doesn't want me. Right? And so God doesn't want me, so I'm going to work hard so that he's going to want me. And we spend our whole lives toiling and laboring for something that doesn't work. It's backwards. It's the wrong thing. And you spend your life toiling and laboring for something that God already offers. Because the correct order of thing is that, is that you become his first. And that's simply by his command, that's by his call, that's by his choice. He wants you. 
did you make that did you make that happen no because he wanted you before and so what the the fact of the matter is he wants you and he calls you he chooses you and then once you're his at that point he employs you and you know who's included in that all of us but also angels too he puts angels to work because you know why because they're his they're his and so because they're his once they're his he puts them to work once we are his he puts us to work that's how that's the correct order of things and i know it seems silly i got to go over this over and over again but it's it, but the, it's key to us and it's key to our understanding of god it's key to our our really being able to receive of his love and and his mercy and his grace over our lives is acceptance in our life. It's key to that in order for us to understand that. We need to be his. That's, that's first and foremost. We, we need to be his. And then we get something to do. And so what we have here is a call. We have a call of a tribe of priests that's what we have and so the leaders of the other tribes were to lay hands on them and release them from the nation their nation of Israel to God that's what was going to happen that's what's going to happen so where did the Levites why were they distinguished anybody know the story of the Levites how they get distinguished Right. Okay, so go to Exodus 32. Little tidbit. Little tidbit on the Levites here. Not pansies. <laughs> Little tidbit. All right, Exodus 32. Uh, we'll just read verses 26 through 28. Somebody? And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and from, from the gate, to and from the gate, throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about three thousand men. All right, now, understand the thing that just happened there. You got Moses, he's under some duress. He makes a general call out. He's like, well, who, who's for us over here? Who's on our side? Who's on Moses' side over here? Who's on God's side? That's what he wanted to know. One tribe answered. Sons of Levi, Levites answered. They showed up. They gathered around Moses. Moses said, strap your swords on. And now look at his command to them, though. I want Think about this for a second. Who did he tell them to go after? Who? Right. It wasn't like, go find a stranger. Okay? He's talking about the people they knew. He's talking about the people that they had relation to. He's talking about the people that they called friends. He was talking about the people that they hung out with. He was talking about the people that they worked alongside of. Kind of crazy, right? Kind of crazy that, that this is the command that went out. So what did the Levites do? Went and did it. Went and did it. And so I want you to consider that for a second, that these guys, these whatever you want to call them, they're the ones, when it came down to, all right, we need a bunch of priests. We need a bunch of helpers for the tabernacle. We need a bunch of people that will serve the people, that will serve God. We need a bunch of people that we can set apart. We need a bunch of people that we can sit down and say, these are going to be the representatives. The representatives of God's portion of all of Israel 
Who'd they pick? Those guys. Think about that. I want you to think about that. And I mean seriously, consider that. Because I'm going to ask you another question. Who was the man after God's own heart? David. David. Now, David, Saul had killed his thousands. What about David? His tens of thousands. He was the man after God's own heart. Now, what, what, and I'm not trying to push this too far, but I want you to understand something about what we see in the Old Testament here. I want you to understand something about the Levites. I want you to understand something about the, the, the call of God onto their lives. Who did he pick? He picked the fighters. He picked the guys that were loyal, faithful, and unafraid to fight. Now, you look at David, he was full of love, he wrote songs and psalms, and he had all kinds of great qualities. All right? It's not just that he was a warrior. But was he afraid to fight? No. Even from the time he was a boy, he, he killed the bear and the lion. When they came after his, his sheep in his pasture, he was not afraid to fight. And then later in life, as he faced different enemies and he faced the foes that he faced, he was not afraid. He did what he had to do. The Levites were of a similar cloth in the sense that they were willing to do what needed to get done. They were faithful. If I had to pick one quality uh, of people I want to pour my life into and people I want to train, it's faithfulness. If, it, if there's any one quality, it's the only thing it's the only thing that I've ever really looked for in all the years that it was, you know, people want to be trained or people want to uh, learn about what it is to, to serve God or to, to explore something going into ministry or whatever. The one thing, the one thing that has to be there is faithfulness. And if there's no faithfulness, it's a waste of time, and it always has been, always. Because you know what? Talented people... That's not where it's at. Although talented people are sometimes super faithful, awesome. I love that. I love that. All right? But not necessarily. Or it could be somebody that, that uh, had mountains of faith. Great. And if they happen to be faithful, that's awesome. I love people of faith. That's great. I want to see more of that. Or, or it could be, that, that, that somebody, you know, whatever qualities you think are important, that you really think are matter, that's cool. But the one thing that I found after all these years of training people, the one thing that actually matters over time is faithfulness. Faithfulness. And so the, the Levites, yeah, that's what I see in them. They're faithful. Who's standing with us? They're the guys that show up. They're the guys that show up. Hey, need to make some hard decisions. Do what you need to do. They're the guys willing to make the hard decisions. Faithful. David, faithful as the day is long. Faithful to a man that hated his guts. Faithful to a man that was trying to kill him. He was still faithful. There's something important about that quality. There's something important about the, 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 the concept of, of being faithful no matter the circumstance. That's really important to the kingdom. And so that's what you see, this, this tribe of priests that are being raised up, that are being released from a nation that they were already set apart from, in a sense. I mean, it's almost like the people of Israel had to just recognize that these guys were different. That when they were unfaithful, these guys were faithful. When they turned against Moses, these guys were on his side. When they turned against God, these guys were on God's side. And if you're going to have people that are going to serve you in the temple and serve God in the temple, they seem like a pretty reasonable choice to me. So, they made the reasonable choice, and they released them from the nation, and they released them to God. Now, what is this? You know, we look at who we are. Somebody look at Revelation chapter 1. 
Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. All right, uh, so you get a, a sense. There's a, a few places in the New Testament that state this. We'll look at another one in a minute. But they state that, that we have been made into a type of people, a, a kingdom. And, and a, a kingdom in its, its very raw sense in the New Testament is a kind of people. You know, we, we have, in English, we have a few different de definitions of the word kingdom. And that word was originally translated at a time when all three of those definitions made sense. And so, as you see, that Greek word translated into English, well, back in the earliest days of English translations, people would understand what it means. That there's the realm over which a monarch reigns. That's a kingdom. There's the actual reign and rule itself. That's the kingdom. And, and the last thing is the people over whom a king reigns. All right? The actual reign and rule itself, that actual reign of God, the actual reign of the monarch, that's a definition we don't even hear or think of anymore. Because you can think of a kingdom meaning like people, or you can think of a kingdom meaning uh, a land mass or a land area, like Great Britain or something. Uh, we get that, or the people of Great Britain or whatever. But we've been made a kingdom of priests, in other words, a type of people, a people that, that God reigns over as priests. That's who we are. And I know we don't really think of ourselves that way, and we don't use the word priest in a New Testament sense, because it really doesn't have a New Testament application at all. Nowhere does it have a New Testament application in the actual church. But what it's actually saying about us is more to do with the, the idea of who we are as believers. That's the, the real understanding of it. To understand our function, our place, to understand where we are before God. If every person's a priest, do you need a priest? No. You see, that, that, that's kind of eliminating the idea from the New Testament. That's why it's eliminated. Every believer is a priest. And so we don't need a priest. We are the priest. All right? So, you know, what's the, what's the line from the exorcist? <laughs> or, huh? A young priest and an old priest are from, oh, wait, that's not the exorcist. That's from, uh, what is it, Austin Powers? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that's from. Anyway, any young priest and an old priest, whatever it's from. But, yeah, we are that, okay? I mean, that's why, you know, we don't need to call them for the exorcism, all right? We, we just pray deliverance over people because that's our function. Uh, we don't have to have salvation ministered to us by another person. That's our function. We don't need to have forgiveness ministered to us through another person that's part of our function is to forgive one another and to forgive and to receive forgiveness and to pour out and proclaim forgiveness over one another that's part of our function that's why jesus breathed into this the disciples and he said whomever you forgive are forgiven and whatever sins you retain are retained he gave them that right and that privilege and that purpose so we don't need that and so the, the concept is foreign to the, the first century church because it was unnecessary. That if we're functioning in what God called us to and we're functioning in the way that God would have us to function, then it's redundant. It's unnecessary and unneeded. Okay, Revelation 5.10, somebody? All right. All right. It's the voice from beyond. <laughs> Jesus kind of sounded like a girl. Did you hear that? 
Oh, it's distance. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, another verse that speaks to this. Another person that, I mean, another uh, verse that proclaims this over our lives. And, and so I think in some ways we need to take our place with that. Not in the sense that, again, what am I talking about here? I'm not talking about any kind of position. I'm not talking about any kind of uh, glorious existence or anything like that. All I'm saying is that there's a function that God calls us to that we need to live in. And, and I, I want to empower you to do that. I do empower you to do that. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to lay your hands on one another. I encourage you to prophesy over one another. I encourage you to minister to one another. I encourage you to pray for one another. I encourage you to teach us. I encourage you to, to get up and share. I encourage you to do all of these things. We release you to do this, to function within the kingdom. You're released. You are. And I think you understand that. Like, I hope you understand that. You're released to do this and to, to, to be used and for, to be employed by the Holy Spirit. I want to see it. I want to experience it. I want to know it as we enter into what God has. And so these guys, again, remember where they came from. What's their big quality? Qualities. You kind of figure it out. You got the Levites. So these guys, they were given the right to represent every firstborn of Israel to God. That's how strongly God likes them. <laughs> and I want you to kind of hear it that way. That that the, the firstborn is required. That was an obligation of the children of Israel. That the firstborn of every family. Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago? I don't know if you remember this. We talked about the firstborn. Even animals, right? That that the firstborn belonged to God. And so, and all that that represents and all that that was, that that firstborn was important. And God was reminding the people every time their firstborn was required, every single time he's saying, he is preeminent. He is in charge. He is the one who get, makes all blessings come. And we talked about why that was important. You think about a young couple, they want to have a baby. Firstborn son. Doesn't belong to them. Where's it go? That's God's. That's God's. And it was going to cost them something. All right? Every single time, that was going to cost them something. And they'd appreciate that. That's all right. And so what God does here is he says, all right, well, that's the obligation of the whole nation of Israel is the firstborn. The firstborn sheep, the firstborn whatever it was. Ox, whatever. That belongs to God. Unless it's redeemed out of it somehow. And so what God did, he said, okay, give me the whole tribe of Levi, and I will redeem out all of your firstborn sons. He traded, he traded every firstborn son for the tribe of Levi. I want you to see the value he placed on that. He gave them that privilege to take the place of every firstborn son in his own family. And that was the obligation. That was the obligation that was relieved through the Levites. And so the Levites would live their lives. And I'm going to use a phrase here, and I want you to tell me where you know this phrase from. The Levites... Were, were given to live their lives as living sacrifices for every firstborn and the rest of the nation of Israel. So where do you hear that? Okay, so, so Abraham is, a, this is before, way back, but the beginning of the nation, what you see there is Abraham called to sacrifice his firstborn. How hard was that? 100, 100 years old, but waiting around 100 years or whatever for a son. Tried to make it happen, didn't work. 
He finally gets one and take him up onto a mountain and sacrifice him. And Abraham took him right up to do it. He did. But you know, Abraham was faithful. He was not perfect, but he was faithful. And his faith was credited him as righteousness. So you go to the New Testament. Other people were saying this. You go to the New Testament. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Let's maybe read verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. All right, thank you. Uh, I think when you read this, um, it's a call. Do you hear the call? Yeah. You hear the call to present your bodies as living sacrifices. All right, that's the call. And and then you read on, and it, it kind of explains some more of that and uh, all of that. And so I, uh, I just, I suppose I just want to say that, uh, that this is something that isn't just for a few people. This isn't just something for somebody. This isn't just something that uh, was given to the Romans, even. It wasn't just to the church leadership. It wasn't just to the, any particular people that Paul was writing to. But this is a word that went out to the church in general as to an expectation and a call over our lives that God has. And, and I'm, what I'm hoping to do here is to begin to draw together a God that doesn't change, because he doesn't. Our understanding of him changes, because we see more of him, and we understand more of him, we, we get revelation about him, and all those kind of things, but he doesn't change. And what I want to draw together here is kind of this Old Testament idea of the Levites, but bringing it forward to where we're at right now is that there's a call. And it's a call that, it, that you and I, we're either going to answer or not. Okay, you've been given, and the opportunity is there to, to answer that call. And, and, you know, I already said, what does God value? What I believe he values the most? Not your talent, not your abilities, not whether or not you know how to have certain skills, not if you can sing, not if you, you play an instrument really skillfully, not if you're some kind of a, a superstar when it comes to anything. But what he values is a faithfulness, a faithful people. And, and our response to him, I believe, it centers on that. Because I'm, uh, I'm not suggesting that any of us here have ever done enough or ever will do enough to ever do anything to somehow persuade him to love us or like us any more than he has from all of eternity. You won't. He loves you. He calls you. He wants you. He chooses you. Those whom he owns, he employs. So, as we give ourselves over to him, as we give him our lives, we give him who we are, kind of our imperfect life, our sometimes really messy life, a life that, you know, we're not even too excited to even talk to anybody about sometimes because it's messed up. He loves us, and he always has. And so by his own choice, we're his. 
Can we find our way into his arms? Can we find our way into his presence tonight by just accepting his love, his grace, his mercy, his call? That's what I'm, I'm really encouraging you toward. I'm really encouraging you to, to, to lay aside your own judgments about yourself, to lay aside your own judgments about who you think God is, and, and just really hear what he's saying, hear what his word says, and take it for as simple as it is. He raises up a, a type of people, a people of God's own rulership as priests here and now. He offers a place at his side with him, offers life. He calls. He chooses. He empowers. And so like we looked at the Levites of old, let's take our place. Let's take our place. And let's see what God wants to do through us to, to minister to the people around us, to to live and just be and see what he'll do through our lives. I just want to say thanks, God. I just want to invite you to join me in some prayer right now. Just in giving him thanks and praise for his call and for the life that he gives. Just, just join me just in a, just a few moments right now just to thank him. Thank him for his love over us. Thank him for his grace over us. Thank him for his blessing over our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your plans for us. Thank you for your purposes in our lives. Thank you for making us your own. And whom you own, you employ. But God, we want to just major on, we're yours. We're yours by your choice, by your call. We're yours. We present ourselves to you as yours. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Yeah. God, I pray that our spirit can find rest tonight in you. I pray that our striving spirit that's in us can find rest tonight in you. I pray that lying spirit that is in us can find rest tonight in you. I pray that that spirit that tries to earn things from you would find rest, rest in you tonight. In your call, in your purpose, and in your plan for us tonight. That you would put to rest the, the, the things in us that are, are so full of stress and so full of anxiety. I pray that you'd put them to rest. And in these moments, I just ask that we would find our place in you and rest there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for your life that's in us. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace that are all over us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I just want to take a few moments. Anybody have any comments or anything you'd like to, to share with us? Maybe something God spoke to you, God showed you just then, or, or maybe something he's been emphasizing to you. Anybody want to say anything? Because you can. If you want to. If you don't, you don't have to. In the verse that it's talking about like a wave offering, like there's a wave offering. Mm. Mm. Thanks, God. Anybody else?
Yeah, God has a, a principle there of keeping things in order and making sure his people understand who's God in this scenario. And just let him be God. Honor him as God. He likes that. And we're better off. Anybody else? And be faithful. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? All right. So, Father, thanks for uh, just reminding us of a few things, basic things, but important things. I pray, Father, we continue to respond to you, find rest and peace in your plan and your purpose for our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs>